This is the outpouring meeting with Dr. David Jeffries. Hi, my brothers and my sisters everywhere, and especially these two in the room here also. It's a great night in the Lord. Tonight, I'm going to be ministering on the subject, praying to touch the heart of God. Doesn't that sound good? I like titles. I've got about 500 titles. In fact, I've got about 50 titles of books, and I've only written about 12. So I don't know if the other 38 are going to come up. But titles, praying to touch the heart of God. What if you woke up in the morning and you said, okay, today I'm praying to touch the heart of God. Help me, Father. Now, just think about that. Did you realize that you can set the parameters of your relationship that day with God by saying all day long, starting now, all day long, throughout the whole day and all through the night, I want to give you glory. Will you help me give you glory? You think God's going to turn a deaf ear to that? I don't think so. So there's certain things in our life to which God does not turn a deaf ear. So tonight I'm going to be talking on the subject, praying to touch the heart of God. And I want you to listen to it because it's going to really change your life. I've had a revival a number of years ago. And uh, I said to the fellow who invited me, I want you to, to preach several nights. And I said, what do you want me to preach on? He said, you pick the subject. And so I, I did. I said, I'm going to preach on bringing this church to the next level of prayer. Think about that for a moment. That God is here in this revival with one major purpose, and that's to bring this church to the next level of prayer, higher. The next higher level of prayer. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. In fact, no matter where you are praying right now, don't expect to stay there. Don't expect to stay there because God has raised us up together in heavenly places with Christ Jesus. So therefore, tonight he's come with this theme. And if this theme is for you and it's for me, it's for all of us in this room. And that is to bring us to the next level of prayer. And the greatest level of prayer that I can think of when I first got this title, Praying to Touch the Heart of God, the greatest level of prayer is praying to do exactly that. That is the most direct distance between anything is a straight line. And that's in science. Straight line. So we believe in straight line living, don't we, Mike? Yes, sir. <laughs> My friend Mike likes straight line living. Uh, so tonight I'm going to talk to you about Praying to touch the heart of God. Uh, I shared a little bit about this uh, this morning at our prayer breakfast at uh, Campbell House. Yeah. And I said, you know, God has a soft spot in his heart. In fact, he has several soft spots in his heart. And I was thinking about that. And some guy said, I thought God's whole heart was nothing but one big soft spot. And I said, well, he's got judgment against the wicked and against the enemies of God and that. That's not a soft spirit coming from you. But there are certain places tonight that I want you right now to make an agreement with me. Will you do that? Yes. The Bible says, whatever two or more of you shall agree as touching anything, it shall be done to my father. God's, God's going to do it. And so I want you to agree with me tonight that you're going to change the gear to a higher level of prayer. You're going to change gears from from first gear to second gear to third. And, and in fact, every 
day of your life, every week of your life, every month of your life, God has given you a higher level of prayer. And in other words, it doesn't matter where you are 15 years from now, you will be on a higher level of prayer. If you keep walking with God, you will. And there'll come a time, I like this language, there'll come a time when you open your mouth and your heart to pray and you will be so close to God that you'll be ushered into the Holy of Holies immediately. You'll be in shock. You're going, how in the world I get here so quick? Simply because it's your Father's will for prayer to work for you. It's your Father's will for your prayer life to work for you. And so therefore, on whatever level of prayer you are tonight, right now, and if we can measure that, we can, but God can. There's an intended higher level by God to raise you to that level. It may just be two degrees tonight, four degrees, but there's certain things that happen in prayer that raise you to great heights of prayer in just a short while. And that's when you get incredible answers to prayer right in your face. And what those incredible answers to prayer are different than just the everyday praying, which everyday praying is God. Um, my house payment's due tomorrow, and God goes, I know. <laughs> God, I, I don't have quite enough money to, to take care of my car payment. I know. And God is going to get you to a point where you no longer pray childish prayers. And you never, ever pray prayers to inform God of anything. Now, you remind him because that's the word. Father, you say in your word that you are a very present help in time of trouble. Now, when you have trouble, God becomes to you very present. God shows up in a hurry when you fall into trouble. You know why? Because he's a very present help in time of trouble. Not just there, but very present. And that's exciting for you to, to get that in your mind, that if you, in advance, you can say, well, I'm going to pray to touch the heart of God, because when I'm in trouble, I want to be able to pray my way through and get to know. God wants you to pray successfully 10,000 times more than you want to pray successfully. you got to understand there's more power coming from heaven to draw you to a high level of prayer than there is on your end. Because on God's end, he knows, your Father in heaven knows, that when you begin to pray with power, and you begin to pray with the mind of Christ, not my will but thine be done, Jesus said to the Father. He said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. That was his prayer. If it's possible, I'd rather not go to the cross. I mean, that's a lot of pain, a lot, a lot of agony and so forth. And then all of a sudden he said one word, and it's nevertheless which is means forget about everything that I've just asked you. You see, sometimes you'll pray a prayer and you'll catch yourself and say, that's too little to ask of God. Isn't that a good thought? That's too little to ask of God. A great, big, wonderful God. And I'm not going to ask little things of him. So when you begin to get the idea that the only way you're ever going to pray for the rest of your life, and you make this agreement with God, Father, the only way I ever want to pray the rest of my life is to pray to touch your heart. Pray to something in your heart that causes you to become so joyful and causes you to rise up off your throne and shout. How about that? Wouldn't you like to be praying? Man, I feel good tonight. That made me feel good to say that. That you'll rise up off your throne and shout. 
when we start praying and we really touch your heart, it's just like things in this world, uh, little puppies or little children or, or, or a beautiful choir or whatever it is that touches your heart. God wants you to learn to pray to touch his heart, not because God is selfish and not because God is um, egotistical. He's not egoistical or egotistical. He doesn't have to have your praise. You need to give him praise. Amen. He doesn't need your praise. You need to give him praise. I, I thought about that one day, Lord. Uh, you're always wanting people to praise you. And, and the Bible talks about, I'll bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continue without interruption be in my mouth. And I thought, you know, God really likes for us to praise him. And then the Lord answered me. Oh, listen, you better watch out. If you ask God something, he'll answer you. I said, you really like people praising you. He said, that's not the issue of people praising me. It's the issue of God lives in the praises of Israel. And so, therefore, I come alive in your praises. I come alive to you, my spirit, my joy, my enrichment of your life in Christ comes alive in you when you praise the Lord. I begin to look at the scriptures about praise and about worship. It's not for God. God is not full of ego. God wants you to praise him because he knows it's good for you. He knows it's incredibly good for you when you reach up and you praise God because he dwells in the praises. He lives in the praises of his children. So as you begin to praise God in your prayer language, prayer with praise and worship is a direct route to touch the heart of God. So I just want you to think about that for a moment. Now, years ago, a man by the name of Carruthers, Merlin Carruthers, does anybody name themselves Merlin? Yeah. Merlin Carruthers wrote a book called uh, Power and Praise. Power and Praise. Somebody put that book in my hand about, oh, 35, 40 years ago. And by the way, Merlin Carruthers went to Asbury Seminary, where, of, of, of the school of which I'm a graduate. And he wrote this book called Power and Praise. And then he wrote, one was um, Answers to Praise. He wrote another called Answers to Praise. And when I first got that little book in my hand, it took me to another dimension of prayer. Now, I want you to listen to me. Remember I said when I preached that revival, God said, you go in there because I'm ready to raise this church to the next level of prayer. I, I, I didn't have any intentions of anything happening in that church because I couldn't make anything happen. But God said, I'm, I'm ready for them to go to the next level of prayer. And so you preach like a house on fire. <laughs> and I did. I preached like a house on fire. And when I left, I had this sense that this church had moved from here to here, the next level of prayer. But Merlin Crowe's wrote a book called Power and Praise. And, and so praise is one of the most direct, direct routes to the heart of God, to touch the heart of God. Because he knows this, that above about anything else you can do as far as a worship form, praise and worship causes you to experience the presence of God. He mm. lives in your praises. He comes alive in your praises. See? And Dr. Kruth, my friend Dr. Kruth used to say, he would, he would start his prayer uh, and he would say, Oh, Lord God, I pray that the body of Christ will come alive here in this room and that the spirit of God will come alive to us. Well, God's already alive. 
but he's talking about the living God expressing his life in us tonight, right here in this room. And I, when I think of God expressing his life, I think I think of, uh, of Theopanoustos. Anybody know what Theopanoustos means? No. You used to when you took Greek. <laughs> Theopanoustos is the Greek that says, God has breathed on me. God has breathed on me. And so it's like a flame of fire, a little, kid, a little spark of fire. You breathe on it. And it brightens up. And so as you praise him, God breathes on you in that praise and you brighten up and things become clearer to your vision. Things that are in shadows and in darkness that you can't see. Suddenly there's a light shown on and you have this sense. Now I know, Lord God, what you're wanting to say to me. It's this aha moment. I now see you, Jesus. I now know what you're asking me for. I now know where you're leading me. Because God wants you to get his revelation. He says, when you pray, pray with the Holy Spirit and also pray with the understanding. So one of the ways it touches the heart of God is that that God will give you understanding about your life, your circumstances and what you're praying about. And you shouldn't just stop and say, well, I had a good time of prayer. Nice time. No, you should say now, Father, you said that I should pray with the Holy Spirit. And I should pray with the understanding. So I'm waiting for the understanding about this. I'm waiting until this makes sense. And in the name of Jesus, Father, you want us not to be ignorant. The Bible says I would not have you ignorant. So therefore, we want to know the things of God. Because when we know the things of God, we are forearmed and forewarned about the death that wakes everybody and the destruction that wakes at noonday. And we basically are, are told, walk in light, walk in the spirit of God and walk in his light. In my little book, uh, Hand in Hand with Jesus, one of my favorite little books. If you look at my website, drdavidjeffries.com, and that's dr david, J-E-F-F-A-R-E-S. Jan, that's how you spell Jeffries. J-E-F-F-A-R-E-S. She's my sister-in-law. She's watching up in India. <laughs> That's your name too, isn't it? DrDavidJeffries.com. In the, the little book, Hand in Hand with Jesus, there's a place where uh, I start that book with the Lord speaking to me and said, David, for the next 30 days, you're going to walk hand in hand with me. Or is it 40? It's 40 days. You're going to walk hand in hand with me. And I thought, well, that's great. Now, if this was before I wrote the book. He just came and spoke that into my heart. You're going to walk for the next 40 days with me. And he said, you're going to walk so, listen to this, this is beautiful. You're going to walk so close to me that you can feel my breath on your face. Mm. Come on, that just tore me up. Can <laughs> we walk so close that we can feel your breath on our face? And he said, not only that, you're going to walk hand in hand with me and you'll feel my heartbeat, the pulse of my heartbeat in your hand. I'm going to walk that close with you for the next 40 days. And in one of those days, the Lord Jesus and I were walking and he spoke to me and said, David, walk very close to me now. Be very careful. Walk very close to me. And in a few moments, huge angels came and just surrounded us. There were warring angels and shields and swords, spears or whatever. And they were they were right there around us. And I heard one of the angels shout. Here comes the attack. Here comes the attack from hell. And what happened was I looked up and I saw arrows flying from hell all through the air. 
and the angels surrounded the Lord Jesus and I, and and they put their they put their wings they put their shields and their swords and everything over us and the arrows bounced off and Satan couldn't touch us because God heard prayer even he hears your prayer even before you pray it even before it's on your tongue the Bible says the Lord knows what you're going to pray but isn't that good the Lord knows your heart before you even open your heart to him and so there was the protecting power of God he would give his angels charge over you lest you dash your foot against a stone and they encamp round about you the angels to deliver you in a time of difficulty and trouble I want you to believe that tonight with me I want you to embrace that tonight I want you again to remember the title of this message praying to touch the heart of God make it make it a priority for you to think that that when you're praying that you're praying to touch his heart now go back to Merlin Brothers because prayer and worship I think if I didn't talk about anything but praise and worship tonight it would be a worthy venture because a lot of people say but I don't praise and worship very well you know every once in a while I'll feel like it and I'll raise my hand and I'll feel like it and I'll praise but there's an old guy that once said we need to offer a sacrifice of praise and and John Wesley had said it this way he said I kept preaching salvation till I got it <laughs> he said I didn't believe in the message I was preaching I preach, you know, you need to give your heart to Jesus. You need to uh, open your life and let him write your name, land for God. He said, I didn't even believe it, but he said, I knew it was the right thing to preach. Are you listening to me? You know the right thing to pray, and you know the right way to praise, and you know the results of praise and worship. And because you know the results of you being connected with God by praising and worshiping him, that he lives in those praises and worship. You come to offer sacrifice of praise. The sacrifice of praise is when you say, I know I need to praise him, but I don't feel like it. And then you basically say, but I'm going to praise you anyway, Father. And then you just lift your hands. You see, the first motion of praise is like this, isn't it? I still don't feel anything, Lord. I still don't feel like praising, but, and I still don't feel like worshiping, but, since you tell me that praise and worship is good for my soul and since you tell me that when I enter into your presence and praise and worship you fill the place the Bible says in his presence there's joy forevermore Mm -hmm. in his presence there's fullness of joy so you want to praise and worship to bring allow God to bring his presence so that in his presence what is making you sad will turn into joy isn't that good yeah so offer a sacrifice and if you don't feel like praying say father put it in my heart what I should pray uh, when I write sacred poetry I have a book of poetry it's called jewels from his crown some of you've heard the poetry I think I've quoted one one time recently but I have a book of sacred poetry and it's interestingly enough uh, when I was about 43 or 4 years old I had never written a poem never read a single poem but I now have like 150 60 poems with commentary on what the Holy Spirit is speaking as I wrote the poem the very first poem is oh that I may walk with God and breathe his spirit's breath inhale the sweetness of his love and lose my fear of death oh that I may walk with God and breathe his spirit's breath inhale the sweetness of his love and lose my fear of death 
I got those little five, four little lines, and I thought, where did that come from? I had written it down, and I thought, man, this is a poem, and I couldn't write poetry. I don't think I'd ever written any poetry at all. And then God began to prime the pump. Now watch this. And what would happen would be he would give me a word or just one line, like when I look upon a child with a smile across his face. I wrote a little poem called When I Look Upon a Child. And so I heard that when I look upon a child with a smile across its face, I know I've seen the hand of God and felt his loving grace. I began to simply obey in the little ways of writing and quoting the poetry. And it's the same way with prayer. You may say, I can sit here for 30 minutes and not think of a single thing to say to God. Then sit there for 31 minutes. <laughs> you didn't wait long enough. Be patient with God because sometimes he doesn't want you to think of anything. He just wants to enjoy your presence and you enjoy his presence. But let me say something to you. He may give you one word to prime the pump. Oh, that I may walk with God and breathe the spirit's breath. And the next part is inhale the sweetness of his love. Well, I had, it took me two weeks to write just those four lines. It's like a couple of weeks. It's like, oh, that I may walk with God. That's all I had. And I said, yeah, oh, that I may walk with God. Oh, that and I kept doing it over and over again. I said, what? What's, what's after that, Lord? And I didn't know I was writing a poem. And breathe his spirit's breath. And then I heard one word, inhale. And I thought, that can't be part of this poem. But then I heard inhale the sweetness of his love. <sighs> That's inhale. Breathe in the sweetness of his love and lose my fear of death. Come on. See, so when you're praising God and you're being drawn in that praise, and when God wants you to pray, he will prime the pump with maybe one word. Inhale the sweetness of his love and lose my fear of death. And so what I want you to do is I want you to get into the habit of believing that God wants you to pray toward heaven more than you ever, 10,000 times more than you could ever want to pray toward heaven. Because God knows that praying to touch the heart of God is the best thing in the world you could do. You could sit around all day watching Andy Griffith reruns, or you can pray to touch the heart of God. <laughs> I think that's a no-brainer for all of us. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now, what about this praying to touch the heart of God? I saw a little movie the other day. It's a good, clean little movie. And there was a little girl about 10 years old and uh, her mother and father had died and she was living with an aunt and uh, the aunt was talking to the sheriff of the town and, and she said, I don't want this kid. I don't want this child. I can't take care of this kid. I've already lost my husband and my kids and I can't take care of it. And you should have seen the sheriff. His heart was broken. And while his heart was broken, my heart was breaking right there. I'm going, I'll take the kid. <laughs> and it's just a movie. <laughs> I'll take the little child. I'm a sucker for a baby. I'm a sucker for a little child. And I was, I couldn't believe it. I said, hey, hey, I'll, I'll take her. You just bring her. Bring me 10 of them just like her because I'm crazy about kids. But you know what? When you're tender to the child, it's one of the most direct routes to the heart of God. I heard God say one day, and then you judge this. One day I heard the Lord say, the one time that I'm going to rise up off the throne and shout in the judgment is when someone appears toward me who's been tender toward the child. I'm going to let you figure out whether that was Lord putting that in my heart. 
allow the little children to come to me and don't forbid them because of such is the kingdom of heaven. The Lord Jesus must have thought little children were were wonderful and worthy because we learn the greatest lessons of humility and simplicity by little children and the actions of children don't. Yes. And so God teaches us that when we pray, that we should not pray with preconceived ideas. Now, God, you know I want the Cadillac Eldorado with a white leather interior. <laughs> God's going, you ain't gonna, you're not going to get that. <laughs> Praying to touch the heart of God is when you, I'm going to say something to you. Oh, I don't want children. We don't, we don't ever have children because there's just too much bother. I've heard people say that. I'm like, what? What? I, I was with my grandchildren the other day. I've got five granddaughters. And one of them is dating a sweet, handsome, Jesus-filled man. And uh, the oldest is Savannah, who's 20 now. She's dating this fella. And Savannah says, Poppy, you've got to live long enough to do my wedding. <laughs> it's like, like, so my whole life is aimed to try to live long enough to do her wedding. So she can crank me up two of them. <laughs> you know what it is to have a heart tender to the child. Because unless you become like a little child, you'll never enter the kingdom living that God has prepared for you. You'll always be too adult to be humble before God. You'll always be too mature to pray that way in simplicity. You'll always be too educated and too aloof and too, like I say, too mature and adult to really know God on the level of a child. And so when you pray, to bless the child and when you bless the child you touch the heart of God when you pray for the children Jesus took them and blessed them and prayed for them and when he blessed them and prayed for them it was a beautiful miracle of what God was doing good idea isn't it praying to touch the heart of God what are some other ways that we pray to touch the heart of God well the Bible says it's more blessed to give it's a greater blessing to give than it is to receive do you know how many people if they really thought about that would argue with that it's like Boy, I sure like receiving good things. I got thousand dollars one time. I got I got this, somebody gave me a car or whatever. And man, I just can't be, you can't hardly beat the joy that I had of getting up and you're stopping, you're going. So one day I said to the Lord, I want you to prove to me that it's a greater blessing for me to give than it is for me to receive. I want you to just explain it to me. Okay. And the Lord spoke in my heart. He said, it's a very simple biblical principle. Given it shall be given. He says, you don't give. Don't expect to have anything given to you. Don't expect any of your provision or anything to happen to you. My God shall supply all your needs, but not just gratuitously. Could I use the word gratuitously? Gratuitously. You know what gratuitously means? It means without you making any investment. Without you making any investment, and your investment with God <laughs> is to praise him when you don't feel like it. Is to worship him when you can't hardly get your hands up. You're so worn out you can't hardly get your hands up. But you know what? You raise your hands. Even if you're so weak you can't raise your hands, guess what? As you start to raise your hand, unseen hands will pull them on up. Hands from heaven will raise your hands up. Because God will strengthen you when you begin the road to praise. God will strengthen you and give you that. Yeah. I was uh, thinking about that man with a withered hand in the Bible. Remember? Yeah. Uh, uh -huh. you, you've seen people with, with withered hands. The hand didn't quite grow up far enough. And it's, it's just kind of gnarled. And then the other hand can be very normal. 
And so a man came up to the Lord Jesus with a withered hand. And uh, the neat part about it was Jesus says something strange to him. You see, the Lord will say something that's outside the box because we live too much inside the box. It's like, well, uh, I expect this and, and I don't know whether I really believe in miracles. And all the miracles God does is outside your box. There's nothing, there's nothing expected. And, and as the Lord Jesus went along, everybody went, you got to be kidding. He did what? He put and spittle on the ground and rubbed the guy's hand. The guy came back and he was healed. You could see. Yes. Outside the box, isn't it? And so God showed me. You, you need to ask God. Go back and read your Bible verses and read these stories in the Bible. And say, could you show me the story behind the story, Lord? And here's what God showed me. He said to that man, do you remember what he said? He said, say it louder. Stretch out your hand. That's right, Robert. <laughs> Stretch out your hand. Now, watch this. The guy's going, you got to be kidding. I've lived all my life and haven't been able to stretch my hand any further than you know, this. But watch this. Just the motion of the movement to stretch out his hand. This is what God showed me. That when he, he, he in obedience, he began to stretch his hand out. The hand of God came and pulled his hand on out. Oh. Do you get my point? Yeah. yeah. So your faith is to not only believe God, but to trust God. Your faith is to say, if it does, even if it doesn't make sense, I'm going to do it. Children, have you caught any fish? Now we've been fishing all night. We ain't been doing too good. Then why don't you put your net on the other side? You got to be kidding. If it was anybody else telling me to do that, I would never do it. But it's the sun, God. And so therefore, guys, like I said, if somebody came out, I've been fishing all night long, had caught a thing and said, just got to put your hook over here. You're going to get on out of here, buddy. Don't talk to me. I've been fishing all my life. You can't tell me to put it over here and I'll do any better. And so they pull the nets out and put them on the other side. And oh, my goodness, like it broke the nets, pulling the fish in. And so, in obedience, there is a created miracle waiting for you. If God speaks to you and says, get up and go to Wilmore, or get up and get in your car and drive to Versailles and go to a certain place, visit somebody, whatever, and you basically say, I'm not, please don't ever say this, I'm not sure this is God. You got you got ways that you can make sure you can call somebody that walks closer to God than you do. It might just be a random phone call the number to book. I got an idea. You probably walk closer to God than I do. You might think you're crazy, but yeah, you call somebody or or talk to somebody that walks close to God. Find somebody. Look, look night and day for a year. Find somebody that prays more powerfully than you do. And ask them, hey, I really kind of think God wants me to go over to ourselves to this house and talk to this person. Because the Bible says, let every word from God be established as coming from God at the mouth of two or three witnesses. So don't just sit around and say, I don't know what God wants me to do. But I'm going to show you this. When you get up from where you're sitting and go and pick up your keys from that table and head toward your car, you're walking in obedience. Maybe nothing has happened yet. Maybe nothing has really happened yet. But when you're, and I'm going to say this to you, when you are in motion, movement toward 
the obedience to what God has you to do. If you just pick out your checkbook and start to write a check, if God wants you to give it to a children's home or something, you just take the check, put it out, and you say, oh, my goodness, I got things to do, but uh, the checkbook's here, Lord. I'm going to write it out. And you get the pen, and you write the check out, and you basically say, God, I don't have the money to cover this. I promise you, I've done this. I don't have the money to cover this check. I wouldn't get the check until I, but unreal, unreal. I was in a prayer meeting uh, about 40 years ago with Bob Myers. Anybody know Bob Myers? You do? And he was the treasurer of a, of a crusade coming up. The Lord spoke to me and said, I want you to give $20 in that crusade. And I said, well, I don't have $20, so if you send it to me, I'll get the money you send to me the $20. And guess what? I got a check for $20. I did. I said, oh, boy, I can buy something. The Lord said, that's the $20 you asked me to give so you could give it to that crusade. And I said, oh, yeah, and there's Bob. He's the treasurer of the crusade. And when the prayer meeting was over, I walked across the room and had that check in my hand. And I held out like that. And Bob shook my hand with his left hand. God is my witness, and you'll see it when you get to heaven. And I was handing the $20 bill. I felt paper in my left hand. And I went back and sat down and there were two $20 bills. Then in the crossing of our hands, God had given me a 100% return. Without him knowing anything, nobody knew this but me and God. You see, I got up and I went to give that, not expecting anything in return. Your return is the fact that the Son of God died on the cross for you. Amen. You don't need God to give you anything for you to love him or love his people or serve his people. You don't need God to prove anything to you except his mighty love on the cross. That ought to be enough for you as long as you live, the mighty love of God and Christ on the cross. You could never repay him for what he did for you. No matter what you or I do, we could never repay the Son of God. So you're going to pray to this. All right, God. I went and sat down and opened that. And I said, you got to be kidding. There's $40 here. Man, I didn't have anything. I gave the 20, which I'm really going to buy some groceries with. But I had already made a commitment to the Lord. And the Lord, hey, the Lord reminded me of that commitment. That $20 goes. And so, watch this. I followed through with the purpose of God. Instead of taking the check and cash it and hoping I'd get $20 later for the crusade. He was in that moment that the Lord said, I sent that to those people from Georgia to you for you to give. You asked me to put $20 in your hand. It was a check for $20. I signed the back of it, gave it to him, shook hands with him, sat down, and twice the amount came back to me. I don't do this stuff very much because I don't like to talk about money very much, but sometimes God shows us the point of your need. Yeah. And God wants you to prime the pump. If he said, I want you to get up, I want you to go to Wilmore. You got up every day. And you walk toward, toward Wilmore, and God says, stop, not now. But he wants you to get up every single day with a purpose to obey God. Mm -hmm. And when you put your feet in action with not only a purpose but an action to obey God, it's then that God rises up with power in your life. <laughs> it's then that God rises up with provision to make possible what he has said for you to do. Do not ever say, I will wait for God to make the provision and then I'll do it. Understand this, that the provision is in the obedience. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And the provision is part of the unseen realm that God wants you to live in. 
that whenever you live in the unseen realm where you don't have to see something to believe God, you already believe God before you see anything at all. You already know that God loves you and that God wants to bless you. And God not only wants to bless you, but God's, God is always on the way to blessing you. At any given time of the day or night, God's already on the way with the blessing. The corn is already in the fish's mouth. So God, God, and they said, we don't have money to pay our taxes. And this is a timely message, isn't it? Tax season. And the Lord Jesus said, no, I like this. Here's what he didn't say. Well, why don't you pray about it? Why don't you pray about it? Maybe you go sell that uh, extra pair of shoes you got over there and maybe that'll be it. The Lord Jesus came up with something that was so absurd. <laughs> it's like, I don't think so. He said, I'll tell you what you do. I like the Lord Jesus. It's like, uh, I'll tell you what you do. <laughs> it's like the father calls the son to see under the water. And he saw he saw the vision of the fish swimming along in the coin. Somebody dropped up about the fish. <laughs> and that would tell you that he doesn't miss anything, that he sees everything and everybody. And he sees every fish and he sees every animal on the earth. And he sees and loves and sees and loves. He doesn't just see, but he sees and loves. Isn't that good? Don't you like it that God sees you and he loves you? It's not enough for him to know that you're hurting, but he is moved by your pain. He's moved with compassion to rescue from the dark things that Satan throws your way. That's a good word, isn't it? Yeah. Praying to touch the heart of God. So Lord Jesus said, let's see what we can do. <laughs> and I bet the disciples were saying, boy, remember what he did last week. <laughs> Remember last week when that white lime guy, lame guy came up and they cleaned him up the way he was healed? Yeah, you remember now the woman dead? I mean, he went up and touched his little casket and the guy got up out of the casket. Like, shouldn't we believe that he would uh, come through for us for our taxes? Jesus said, oh, you have little faith. And what he was saying by that was, oh, ye that let go too soon from the promise of God. Oh, you that head toward it and hope for something and you give up. Oh, you of little faith. Oh, you that give up too quickly. Did you hear that? Mm -hmm. Are you giving up too quickly on something? Then get up and do it again. Get up and obey God. One day I said to the Lord, I need a miracle. I need something new in my life. <laughs> he really got me on this one. <laughs> this is probably been 35 years ago. I said, I need you to do a new thing in my life. And he said, uh, i tell you what I need you to do. I said, what? I need you to keep the commitments that you made years ago that you never kept. <laughs> really? Yeah. I need you to keep your commitments that you, you made and you haven't kept them. So, so we think that we got something new from God. No, God wants us to go and be obedient where he's called us to be obedient. Get up and do it now. Mm -hmm. Don't wait a week. Don't wait till the conditions are right and the temperature is right and the money's in the bank. Don't, don't wait on that. Don't wait on that. When Abraham Lincoln sent one of his generals out to uh, go to war, <laughs> Abraham Lincoln said, well, where's the general uh, like a week later? Oh, he's still over there with a, with a calm. I told him to leave a week ago. We know, but he's trying to get up all the stuff he can put in those wagons so he'll have food for the horses and food for it. 
Now listen to this. And, and Abraham Lincoln said that general has the slows. S-L-O-W-E-S. He's got the slows. He's in no hurry to do what I told him. So he made a command. Abraham Lincoln gave a general command and he said, from here on out, don't carry any provisions with you. Just carry some light, not very heavy money, and buy everything you need as you go. Isn't that interesting? Buy what you need from the farmers, buy the food, have your guys go ahead of the column, buy all the food you need, buy the hay that you need for your animals, and when the animals get there, they'll have hay by supper time. Come on! Isn't that interesting? And so the Israelites for 40 years had manna in the wilderness, right? Mm-hmm. But on the 40th year and the next day, the Bible says the manna ceased to come from heaven. They went out. Did you get any manna? Uh, well, this is the first time in 40 years we never found any. We can find it. And then the Bible commanded them to live off the corn and the wheat and live off the food of the land. And after that, they no longer looked for the manna, but they lived off the land. I don't want you to look for the provision of God where you think it is. Know that the provision of God is in the obedience to his spirit. Your provision comes from obedience. Your provision comes from hearing God and obeying God and leaving it all up to God, not to your own understanding or your own how it makes sense. Don't sit around until things make sense because you may never move. Are you with me? You need to have a reckless abandonment to the will of God. I'm going to use that word. We need to have a reckless abandonment. Kind of like what Job said, though he slay me, I won't trust him. I'm going to abandon myself. Paul had a reckless abandonment when he said, if I live, I live unto the Lord. And if I die, I die unto the Lord. Therefore, whether I live or die, I do all things unto the Lord. I'm not doing it to make myself live, and I'm not doing it to, to avoid dying. I'm doing it because I'm doing it unto God, whether I live or die. That's reckless abandonment that makes you a man or a woman of God. It makes you a powerful man or a woman of God. You serve the Lord with gladness and come before his presence with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise without interruption, ever being interrupted, shall be in my mouth day and night. Early in the morning, I will seek you, O Lord. I will seek you in the early time before the sun shall rise. One of my poems is called Low in the Early Morning Time Before the Sun Shall Rise. I wrote that. On, I was on the beach one time. Low in the early morning time before the sun shall rise. I, I rise up from my bed to face each day's surprise. I got a surprise coming from Jesus today, that's for sure. Isn't that a good word? Oh, my goodness. We could go on and on and on. And I have done that before. <laughs> Two people fall asleep here and there. And I even fell asleep one time when I was preaching. No, I didn't. I'm kidding. You know better than that. <laughs> so you folks that are the audience, we don't know who tuned in, if anybody at all. But what are you going to do? Are you going to start praying to touch the heart of God? One thing you do is you say, what blesses you, Father? And sit down and get your little pen out and write the seven things that most deeply touch the heart of God. I bet you could come up with them yourself. You wouldn't need some guy like me to come up with them. 
and I trust God without having to see the end result, but knowing that he is enough without having to see the end result. For faith is a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And you need to live a life where things don't have to be seen for you to walk in the spirit of God. You don't have to see them because you have faith in him that God is going to be there ahead of you before you get there. And God is going to open every door you need, and he's going to slam in the face of Satan every door you need shut and slammed in his face. Because God has called you to a life of walking and living in the Holy Spirit, living with the joy of the Lord as your strength. We can't hardly go on any further than the joy of the Lord becomes your strength, and you can get up from wherever you are with his joy. And with that, he found strength and serve him. Well, I want to thank you for joining us again. It's the second time. I understand last week the video might have been a little bit blurry. I hope it's not this week. I think the girls have been working on it real hard. we got two expert girls over here. And, and, and women, they're not just girls. They're women, and they're, they love me, and they love this church, and they love the Lord. And so I want to thank the two, Lana and Sue. You won't know the last name, but Lana and Sue. And uh, I just want to thank you for joining in. And, hey, don't forget every dog on Tuesday. And by the way, if I leave town and go somewhere, like if I were to go somewhere, which I never do, wait a minute, I do once in a while. If I go somewhere, I can actually broadcast from wherever I am on a Tuesday night. So you be up there on a Tuesday night and I'll show up some way, some shape or form. I love you. That's why I'm here. And that's why I do what I do because I love you. Because God has given me a good love for you, rich and rewarding love. Good night. Thanks for listening to The Outpouring with Dr. David Jeffries. For more information, visit his website at drdavidjeffries.com. And that is spelled D-R-D-A-V-I-D-J-E-F-F-A-R-E-S dot com. I'm Harley Cannon.